At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I don't know if he's a guest. I don't know if he was a workman, but he was the single... Hello everyone, welcome to the Rooting Around podcast, a podcast where we take a not-so-deep dive into countries around the world. I'm Kevin. I'm Tom. And I'm Ed. Really nailing the intro these days. It's good to see. Like, follow, subscribe. Comment. Um, leave. I saw there's a feature on Spotify uh, where you can leave a review on each episode, which is basically a comment, but it's like, it's like a Q&A and the question is, what did you think of this episode? So, what did you think of this episode? Totally sweet. Yeah. yeah. What, do you get to put an answer in or is it just a star thing? No, you get to put an answer thing. On Spotify? Yeah. yeah. But then you can also put five stars on the actual show, which obviously you would have already done. And if you've done I'm it... I'm talking to you and the audience, but mainly go, to you, you here. Should, <laughs> you should go back retroactively and put five stars on everything. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, yeah. The, the stars is for the show. Yeah. The Q&A, like, comment kind of thing is for the episodes. Right. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, this week we are going to Papua New Guinea. I've been excited about this place. I'm not surprised. Yeah. My, it screams Kev. I think as I as I mentioned <laughs> as I mentioned in the last episode, my knowledge of Papua New Guinea extends to what that one time Ross Kemp went there and filmed it. Oh, you're going to shoot me, are you? You said that exact thing at the end of that episode <laughs> as well. Um, Did I? Yeah. <laughs> so predictable. Was he there for gangs or tribes? I or think that was probably Ross Campbell tribe, gangs. Tribe gang, tribal gangs. Yeah, mix. Because isn't Port Did you Mar- watch the shows for research? I used. No, I didn't. I just I didn't. watched that scene for research. <laughs> I just he grabs the guy's gun. <laughs> I, I've never watched it. Oh. Do you know who Ross Kemp is? I've seen like, I, I know who he is. I've never really watched any of his stuff. It's kind of not my, oh, well, it's, it's not, not mine, my country. But it's brilliant. And, and I'm just hoping not. right now that we're talking about Ross Kemp and you've put a giant picture of him <laughs> up there. <laughs> he's oh. old. No, no. He's not that old. Like, he looks good what, for 50s? his age. Oh, yeah, probably. Maybe yeah. Push, he's probably pushing 60. Yeah. But he's he's got that timeless thing when he had, he had a shaved head when he was in like his mid-20s. So it's not as noticeable him getting mm. old. Yeah. Uh. Well, aside from his gut. But then he's sort of like... <laughs> sucked in. And, and he's got like... He's quite... He wears quite sort of tight fitting, like black tactical top. So it sort of looks like he could be muscly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I bet he's hench. Well, that's an illusion, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that's a development reference. Um, he might be. So that's all I know about Papua New Guinea. Just Ross Kemp. Just Ross Kemp, and I think one. You know where it is as well. Yeah, yeah, I know where it is. I know what the national sport is, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, yeah, we'll get to that bit later. And that's it. I watched the geography now. Yeah, it's like half I, an hour that one. But I was sort of I was dipping in and out, if I'm yeah. honest. So it's at the very eastern side of shares an island with Indonesia, the second yeah. biggest island in the world, right? No, third th- biggest, third biggest. I think third. Yeah. Um, do, do you, does it qualify as Southeast Asia still? It's Melanesia, you know. Melanesia. Okay. Melanesia. Which is apparently its own thing. I never heard of it until mm. I watched something. It's more of like island nations, isn't it? Wow. Well, yes, but also Papua. 
Which Papua is, is the island, right? Yeah, but I think the whole island is part of Melanesia. But the northern side is part you, of Indonesia, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just the island chain. Like that. Yeah, maybe that's right. Like it's just like the the geo geological geographical area is mm-hmm. Melanesia and it includes all of Papua. Ah, well. But also, Tell said. also, oh. there's an island that Papua New Guinea owns that isn't part of Melanesia. The mo- northernmost Solomon Island in the chain of Solomon Islands is part of Papua, New-, Papua New Guinea. But That's so weird. But it's not within the Melanesian archipelago, I guess. Well, I, I want to find out how that happens. Like, there's like a country like Russia that is on both continents, really. I know, but it's uh, Papua New Guinea. Like, <laughs> uh, I, guess it's, I guess it's a bit like, using the Russian example, it's a bit like the... Sakhalin Islands. Oh, the yeah, Japanese. This is part like, of the uh, Japanese country, archipelago, yeah. but yeah. Anyhow. I've got something interesting to talk about with Japan, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you want to tell us the basics? Yeah, so the basics, 463,000 square kilometers, which is quite big, 178 Luxembourgs, 22 Wales's. All right. Population, nearly 9 million, 15 Luxembourgs, 2.8 Wales's. But the government estimates that it's... About 9 million. But it was reported in a yet-to-be-published study in December 2022 that the true population is close to 17 million. So <laughs> I don't really That's know what to believe. quite the discrepancy. Yeah. Why would they go under? Because 80%, I think, of the population lives in rural, rural areas. Yeah. areas. So only and like... That's fucking rural. Yeah. And yeah. it's the lowest in the world. Like... Most countries have like quite a high urban population, but eighty percent rural is the highest mm. in the world. So I suppose a lot of a lot of tribes are not necessarily like documented and stuff yeah. like that. And they declared and recognised independence on the sixteenth of September, nineteen seventy-five. I've got a little fact about that. Who were they previously owned by? Uh, they they were under they were <laughs> under the control of the Aussies. Oh, yeah, and now they were under the control of us. <laughs> But they're still part of the Commonwealth. I guess so, maybe. I've got some national symbols. Yeah. Should we run through those? So the national flag. It features a golden bird of paradise on a black background with a diagonal red and black stripes. Jazzy. It's very jazzy. Got a lot of time for that flag. Reminds me of Angola for some reason, just because the colours are similar. Red and black is pretty cool on a flag. Yeah, it's it always screams like darkness and power, yeah. Metal. Metal. Yeah. yeah. Is that a metal scream? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else we got? Coat of arms. National coat of arms of Papua features a bird of paradise again. A crocodile and a traditional spear and a kundu drum. It represents the country's cultural diversity and natural resources. Strong. Yeah. National bird. What do you reckon it is? Oh, I'm guessing. Oh, it's, it's, it's what you just said. The guessing the toucan. It's a bird of paradise again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is it's specifically it's the Ragiana one, which is kind of the most recognizable, like quite wide eyes, big fluffy. I mean, you've seen it on the flag, but I've only seen the outline of it on the flag. Oh, OK. I'm sure. Are they colorful? Be. Yeah. They sound like they should be colorful. Well, they, they all are, basically. I'm assuming you're going to go into detail about the bird yeah. of paradise. Heaps. So maybe I'll, I'll leave my questions and my ignorance okay. until then. But that bird is known for its vibrant plumage and elaborate courtship displays. The national flower is a sepic blue orchid, which is endemic to the sepic region. The national motto is unity and diversity, reflecting the multicultural society and the importance of unity among its diverse population. Very nice. Talking about diversity, 839 (laughs) known languages. 839? Yes, quite a lot. 
I've got <laughs> over I've got over eight hundred and fifty two distinct languages. Rock, paper, scissors. There's probably a few got lost there. Oh, like this. I've got more than eight hundred. Okay. Well, so you're we the know. least wrong person. <laughs> I mean, that's it's that's more than more than ten as well. So it's that's the most. That's the most. It's like saying Jesus died at least ten years ago. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. But it's like I'm saying, the most linguistically and culturally diverse nation in the world. Really? Yeah. It says here this accounts for about twelve percent of world languages. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's crazy. For 8.9 million slash 17 million people. And also there's like an amazing... Wait, so how many languages is that per person? Like, do the maths. Obviously, they wouldn't all speak the exact same amount, but let's say it's 850. About 100,000, I'd have thought. Well, 110,000. Is that math correct? I have no idea. I've done some very quick math there. They might be well off. 10,500. That's insane. So that's how many people they need for one language. I don't know if that makes sense. What if, what Maths <laughs> brought to you by rooting around. I was thinking about this because it's also not only like if something's linguistically diverse, it's probably culturally diverse. Because if you've got a language, you've got a culture. Yeah, I mean, each tribe <laughs> is, is probably going to. Am I right? Um, <laughs> I think it lines up nicely with the amount of tribes. There's over 850, which again is fake. Could be a million. Um, but, but I guess guess is like because they haven't found everyone there. Yeah, I don't mean that in like. A, <laughs> like oh, well, I fucking put him. Um, but like, I was thinking about this, and I saw some pictures of like all of the various amazing like individual sort of traditions and mm. dances that all of the groups have. And then I had this moment of like reflection. I was like, God, imagine how many cultures and languages have been lost over the years and, you know when sometimes you have a moment where you actually think about something deep and profound mm. i was like all oh, those traditions are going to be lost probably for palm oil there but yeah anyway yeah there's they i'm not sure if they do a lot of palm oil but they do a lot of uh mining there don't they gold the and nickel copper? and oh. all of the uh battery uh, battery stuff do they? i think sea-based mining oh that's sad talk about sea Oh yeah. oh yeah, go on. One fact that I thought was pretty cool. Up until 1933, seashells were currency. Yeah. And they just... No. Like, yeah, they got abolished as a currency in 1933. Seashells. Seashells, yeah. Do you reckon different sizes? Or different types. Different types, yeah. Mm. But then... Like 5p. The, it's the, not all about size. But the currency... Don't I know, Ed? The currency, the Kina, it was the name of that seashell they used. Oh, okay. Kina. Kina. The name of the shell oh. was the Kina, and they've called their currency the Kina. Oh, I like that. So yeah. that would mean that they only had one shell they would trade before. I'm not sure whether Kina means shell or it means a specific type of shell. You'd hope a specific type, because otherwise, who the fuck knows not what's going on. The more time you spend on the beach finding yeah, yeah, shells, yeah, exactly. that's like a job. Exactly. So you live in, <laughs> you live up the hill, you're fucked. Well, then just don't. Well, you got to, you got to walk down <laughs> to the beach. And then carry all the shells up. Exactly. And they might, I don't know how big these shells are. They could be massive. It could be honkers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're on the sea, so the waters around New Guinea, particularly uh, in the area known as the Coral Triangle, it's where they produce most of their coral drugs. What are coral drugs? No. I oh, right. Golden <laughs> Triangle is being silly. Um, Chinese, but Chinese, it's Chinese medicine strikes again. Yeah. It's part of the uh, most biodiverse marine region in the world, and it's an amazing place to see like blue whales and lots of dolphins and loads of big sea mammals go go around that area. Like and I've what? heard it's some of the best diving in the world. What for? I think the waters are just really rich. It's like the edge of the Pacific. 
the uh, Pacific Rim, lots of volcanoes, good oh. good nutrients, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole place is is really diverse. I've got I do have some information about the natural history and the wildlife. Twenty thousand plant species. It's got some of the oldest rainforest in the world, which is over seventy million years old. It's the third largest rainforest in the world, isn't it? Is it? Well, on the whole island, so shared with West Papua, that rainforest is Amazon. Congo and then Papua. That's sick. I suppose it is massive, right? Well, should we get to the birds of paradise? Yeah. Yeah. So, Kevin, what is the bird of paradise? A bird of paradise <laughs> is a relatively <laughs> small bird. Right. It's got feathers. Okay. Can it fly? Yeah. Right. Okay. They. Can it, can it, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Can it properly fly? Yeah. Are we talking like chickens? No. No. All right. Cool. Oh, cool. Right. They are very colourful birds that have the most elaborate mating displays in the world. And they're like some of the prettiest birds as well. Really vivid colours, loads of big, long feathers. There's a... Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but its tail feather is about four or five times the length of its body. And you might have seen it where, like, there's a blackbird that, like, does this yeah, weird... Yeah, 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 yeah. And bounces around and it's got a little mm-hmm. green smiley face. Yeah. And they've got loads and loads of different... Like, each one has its own performance basically so is birds of paradise the name for a species it's a group of group of birds so there's right. 42 species and 40 of them are found in only in papua again ignorant question so type of bird mm. is it like birds of prey or is it like owls in, in in the sense that like birds of prey is like the collection of like the rough loose thing and then an owl is a, a type of bird of prey I'd, make, I'd say it's more like an owl. Yeah, that makes sense. So they're all like relatively, even though there's a lot of diversity in how they appear. Yeah. They're relatively like zoologically related. I'm pretty sure because they're all part of the same family and most and they of all them have. they dance like weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. They all dance like absolute knobs. But it's super cool and each one has its own. And um, there's one called, I think the Bowerbird might do it where they like collect all different colors of like flower petals and great like seeds and stuff that they can find along the, around the forest uh, floor and it's like blue i think i've seen an attenborough on this yeah i think yeah. there was an attenborough show where he was talking specifically about color yeah and they build like these little piles of different things like and one of them had like a snickers wrapper on it oh uh, nice because of the blue but yeah there's there's loads and loads of different ones and it's all all the pretty ones are males. All the females are, are dull. Butters. Um, dull browns, uh, which is which is kind of normal in the bird world. Why is that? So they blend in. <laughs> they don't need to woo if you're laying the Yeah, egg, they, yeah they, they, they don't need to be... If you're laying the eggs, you want to keep on the DL. I, I guess. guess, yeah, that makes sense. And I think they have no need to, to look pretty and put energy into that um, and evolve into that. And the males, whoever has the most luxurious impressive plumage would become the winner so they all it's like a dance-off they don't only dance and look impressive that a lot of them have really elaborate songs and some of them mix the two dance on beat to their own beat they dance to the beat of their own drum they don't have drums but (laughs) (laughs) i I bet one one of them maybe drums like a tree branch or something like that and they live a really long time how how long? More than a decade. So is I reckon long? one lived 2,000. For birds it is. 
Okay. Robins die after like a, a year or two. What? Yeah. Oh, that, that's put a really sort of sad tint to how I view robins now. Well, well do, you, do you do you think less of them now? Or? No, no, no. no <laughs> nothing it just makes you sad because they're so wonderful. You'll see them and it's like, it's like when you see a butterfly and you live for a few weeks or something. <laughs> it's like that the sort of fleeting beauty, you know? Mm. Oh, Tom. No, it's not like it. No, no, it's this. Well, I, no, I totally also, get it. Also, here's another question. When are Robin's born? This is getting a pretty big tangent. I'm guessing. About that. now. Yeah. So when you see him at Christmas, they're getting into the twilight of their years. <laughs> and they're they're year. sailing down. And that makes... Their year. Just yeah, their year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> In the twilight of their, their months. Twilight yeah. months. <laughs> so, that's oh, really sad. Yeah. And someone asked, like, I think it was Amanda, she was like, why do you never see dead Robins then? And then, the, like two days after, I went for a walk and found a dead robin. <laughs> oh no! I've never, I've seen, never a seen a dead robin. Yeah. I've never. Re- I see dead I birds. Get, I but think you know. they get snapped up pretty quick. They probably just die in hedges. Oh, it reminds they? me that I mean, this is a pre. Like it happens quite a lot. Uh, but the other day at work, not at work, but on my lunch break outside, saw a seagull, a one-legged seagull, right? eat, a, so eat a mouse, and like, wow. all, like swallow it whole. That was. That's what seagulls do. That's they're all about that life. I know. A friend of mine but what, filmed the fact that it was so rough and like one legged and like not just like you know those that just kind of hide the second leg. It was like chopped in half. Like it yeah, was just yeah. only yeah. half. It's the leg. when you see pigeons with like knuckles <laughs> yeah. instead of feet. I love and that. They're always like <laughs> I love that grizzled pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the coastal gulls are still meaner. Like not meaner. They're just like that. My friend filmed one eating a rabbit hole. Can't eat a whole rabbit. Some gulls get like yay big uh, over I guess here. It's a small rabbit. Yeah, maybe. There's a video of uh, have you seen the pelicans? Is it in St James Park in London? I think they've got pelicans. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a famous video of one just going up and swallowing a pigeon. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't the pigeon fight back? Yeah, you just see it flapping and then it just guzzles oh, it down. That's sad. Yeah, I got one more bird fact for you. Mm-hmm. There's uh. A species, not a species, but it's a group of birds called, it's either megapode or megapoda, megapode birds. Um, so home to several megapode birds known for having unique nesting behaviors, which is burying their eggs in like volcanic sand, uh, volcanic rocks to use geothermic heat instead of their own. So they don't have to sit, oh, sit on the eggs. Yeah. Isn't that like halfway <laughs> between reptiles? Some reptiles bury their eggs underground so it's warmer. Yeah. Some of them do, yeah. I know iguanas do in uh, in the Galapagos. Yeah. But I guess birds are related to reptiles. Yeah. Which segues me very nicely. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Allegedly, there have been sightings of an extinct dinosaur, well, not extinct, of a dinosaur in Papua New Guinea. But I didn't read about this until I'd already researched what I'm going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> so... There might be a dinosaur in Papua, but I'm not talking about what might be. I'm talking about what could be. Um, (laughs) This is a cryptid called, and to be honest, I think it might be the most credible one we've had. It's called the Bob Senga. Bob Senga? Bob Senga. It's like a first and last name, that. Just Bob Senga. So the Bob Senga first reported in 1986 possible existence of a large dog-like animal on Mount Gullaware in the Southern Highlands province. Distinct from the Guinea singing dog, so it's large, striped, didn't look like it had any intestines. 
as as things do. No, so like it's after the rib cage, you got very narrow oh. back to the ha- the haunch. I Just believe. a malnourished dog. Well, yeah. but it was big, and people say malnourished horse. So people are confused. People, some people thought they were tigers. And apparently, they think they're thylacines. Oh yeah, well, I believe Tasmanian wolves were thylacines. Uh, Tasmanian tigers. Yes, Tasmanian yeah, tigers. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. Um, so they think cool. it might be a an almost extinct New Guinean, Papua New Guinean version of the Tasmanian tiger. It, I mean, it's plausible because that's 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 it's on the it's on the marsupial side of the divide line, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So there are marsupials in in Papua as well. Yeah, they got like tree kangaroos. Tree kangaroos, yeah. Like that. So yeah, tiger-sized, be skinny, got stripes. Fuck, that'd be super cool. Dan O'Neill would be very happy. Don't do them often. That's well, yeah, they're one of the best. That that actually seems plausible. Hundred percent, and because yeah. because the rainforest is so like not poorly explored, but like underexplored, yeah. underexplored, how uh, unexplored. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lord. And yeah. how diverse the wildlife is there as well. So it could be a little, but then if people say they've seen dinosaurs, so yeah. Do you have it? You don't have any information about the dinosaurs. I don't, unfortunately. I just wanted to get in there and like pique nice. your interest before I dropped it down. Yeah. But I think Tasmanian tigers are fucking sick. Yeah, they are super cool. Have you seen the videos of them? There's like oh, one, I've seen like one, really grainy ones. Yeah, yeah. someone's you know, like upscaled it and cleaned it up. It's really weird. Do you know what Tasmanian tigers are? Yeah, yeah, Dan, uh, clearly you didn't listen to the last two episodes. Mm. Uh, it's Dan's <laughs> oh, like, favourite animal you would want to bring back. Uh, yeah. I was and, too uh, busy doing peace-related activities. Yeah. Mm. Saving the world, uh, one piece at a time. Exactly, piece by piece. Nice. Yeah, no, they look pretty weird, like almost like the, the shape of a hyena. But foxy in the face. Yeah, and tigerish and as well, somehow. Mm. Long, yeah, like oddly long, slender and long tails as well. I've got you know, I mentioned Japan earlier talking about dense jungles and shit. So, there's yeah. uh, there's a spot called the Kokoda Track in, in Papua. I'm not sure exactly geographically where it's from, but it's one of the most popular tourism spots in, in the whole, whole country. And it's like 10 to 12 days, I think. Hiking right through the jungle, but it's it's basically a bit of a pilgrimage for Aussies, because in the Second World War, Japan invaded, yeah, yeah, and Australia basically met along the trail, and went on for a while, and the Aussies were really under uh, under supplied, under prepared, and then uh, as time went on, they managed to fight them off, and the the Japanese retreated. Okay. So it was a pivotal moment in the Pacific theater of the World War, and it was a significant turn and one of the first major defeats suffered by Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah, now it's a bit of a pilgrimage for Aussies, and they go hiking. What, to go trail. see where their like, ancestors fought? Yeah. So yeah. 
yeah, but it just takes loads of Aussies there because Australia loves Australian stuff, winning. But I did, there was, uh, it's a real shame actually, there was, um, so one of Amanda's parents' friends, basically like Amanda's second parents, he was training to go and do it. He was in like his early 60s, I think. And I did a bit of the walking with him, walking training, and he was doing really well, but unfortunately passed away just before he, he could do it. So oh. shout out Steve. Shout out Steve. He's a fucking, yeah, good dude. So really do, people, good dude. do people do it for charity and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Kilimanjaro, but. Yeah, I suppose so. That's a really lazy way of framing it, but. No, I, th- I think. Pretty sure there was no fighting on top of Kilimanjaro during World War II. Well, Sam was there. Oh, Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he fight anyone? <laughs> Chin any, any fools. You said that in, in the chat that you were going to talk about this. Uh, what is the um, track at uh, the trail called again? The Kokoda. Kokoda. Because I found that Kokoda is also a fish okay. uh, that they eat. And it's traditionally eaten, well, prepared by marinating cubes of raw fish in lime juice, coconut milk, sliced onions and fresh herbs. Oh, sounds wow. Sounds a little it's bit like, like, like ceviche. Yeah. yeah. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of depends if you if you like fish and definitely raw fish. So what, so what, pray tell, Ed, else do they eat? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Well, it's largely vegetarian uh, with lots of like tropical fruits. And starchy root vegetables like oh, sago. The fruit they grow there is fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. They love yams, right? Uh, I don't know. Absolutely love yams. I've got sago, taro, sweet potato, but I mean yam would make sense as well. Uh, then they also have some seafood, chicken, and pork, but mainly for like events. Mm. Um, there's a dish called sak sak, uh, which is traditional dumpling made with sago. Um, sago. 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 Mm. I don't know how you actually pronounce that but I suppose that's how it's like a root vegetable oh, right. it's mixed with mashed bananas and coconut milk and then steamed in banana leaves it's sweet slightly chewy and moorish well that's oh, sorry <laughs> just copied that <laughs> that's your opinion <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, breakfast food and sweet snack then there's mumu which is more of a way of cooking rather than a dish so it parcels of vegetables and root vegetables and meats are wrapped in banana leaves and steamed in a small pit filled with hot stones uh, mm. and they usually make that really big for like special occasions like mm. weddings and stuff and yeah the kokoda fish that i mentioned as well that sounds great yeah sounds very yum they they yeah. do um they do love yams there's a uh, in in one area they hold quite cultural significance and they have a yam festival oh, nice which is called milimala and it celebrates the harvest but mainly just celebrates yams, <laughs> <laughs> just eat yams. so they all get together they probably do the the mm. hot stone stuff but can you just get yams in yeah i couldn't get yeah. yams where do you where do you get yams yeah just around you gotta know you gotta know a guy <laughs> just around. i guess yeah, i've got a yam guy I, I, would, I would guess any, any African supermarket would sell yams. How do you, like, can you, is it like a potato? Like, it's well, longer. It's a tube, though, it's it's a tube yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. So, mm. yeah. It looks a bit more like sweet potato than. Uh, like a thin sweet yeah. potato. Long. And it looks, it's got, it almost got like a coconutty colour on the outside. Not hairy, but like dark, it's dark on the outside. Nice. I don't know, I've never cooked one. Coconut, they like a lot as well, clearly. Um, yeah, which is not surprising. Yeah. How do you feel about coconut? Oh, that's so good. Uh, eating it or 
Or what? Like just weapons. You... <laughs> weapons. <laughs> the amount of deaths caused by coconuts falling Bowl- out of trees. Bowling with them, you know. Bowling with them. Well, all the activities. Coconut bras. they're the best it's the best bit I'll be honest with you eating a coconut eating the flesh of a coconut I find repulsive what's repulsive about it the the flavour and the texture I don't like bang teas though maybe that's why but it's just like nice and hard and crunchy exactly that's not what I want in the fruit I want it to be soft and yielding and sweet do you not Um, like uh, apples Yeah, but just the soft ones. <laughs> no, I do like apples. But they're, Sounds crunch. But they're, they're, like crisp, they're like crisp and zingy. Whereas a coconut's neither of those things. Well, it's it's like a little cuddle for your tongue. It's quite zingy, though. Oh, no, it's I'd not. Say. Coconut milk I can get down with because it makes my curries delicious. But everything What about else, coconut water? I think it's a scam. I think coconut water is vile. It's so expensive, but I do love it. I had do you buy it just like a, a carton of when when my lady first first started living with me i used to go out to the shop every now and again and i'd be like do you want anything from the shop and she'd be like coconut water and after the second time seeing it, it was like four pound fifty for a bottle i was like oh fuck this yeah like, <laughs> like i love you but you're, you're gonna financially ruin me at this rate <laughs> how big are the bottles not big mm. Not as big as you, you expect. Get little ones like that, and they're, and they're like, like three pound fifty. It's a fucking joke, mate. Like, can be like a fiver. <laughs> it's mad. I mean, it makes sense. I would get it with a meal one. deal. I'll never buy it on its own. If I get a meal deal, you get a big sandwich. I think that's, and then that's the most cost-effective. That's oh, I'm uh, for everyone who's not from the UK. The meal deal is a big thing. Here. Yeah, and yeah. That's something that I really immersed myself in the local culture yeah. since moving here. I fucking love it. And I hate when people don't make the most of a meal deal. Like, why would you get a meal deal to just not make the most? Get of a bottle of water. Yeah, if What's you that? don't save three pound fifty, you've done it wrong, mate. You should the the inflation <laughs> when they first came out weren't they like two ninety nine? I've got. I've got an, uh, an admission to make. You've never oh, had, no, I've you never could, had like, a meal deal, no. Never? No. What do you mean, never? I've never had one. Fuck off. What do you mean? I go into shops and I buy a bottle of water. Fair enough. Okay. I, I, I don't buy sandwiches from shops. Huh. But it doesn't have to be a sandwich. That's the thing. That it can be salads, can be hot food. In Sorry, like let, some me, let me rephrase that. I don't buy lunch from shops. Okay. I've seen you eat a lunch from a shop once. No, yeah, maybe once. But now you can even get like a hot drink if you want to. It's which is like your, which is your favorite place that does meal deals? I think Tesco's got the most Tesco's. like variety. Yeah, they uh, do the uh, Sainsbury's vegan rice like and duck. Like, yeah, it's good. Mm. Uh, but I think Sainsbury's. I don't know. It's always closer to me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite meal deal, listener? Slash <laughs> maybe can put answer the a question. question. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if there's also any any large supermarket chains listening, you know, pay us. Sponsored by meal deals. Even Tom will eat a meal deal. Yeah, I'll eat one live on air. (laughs) Did you watch the video of us eating uh, blood? I did, yeah. Yeah. Looked good. That was was awful. Very tasty. You knew what it was, didn't you? I always know what these things are. It was nice, and then as soon as he told me, it was just like, there's a horrible feeling deep inside. (laughs) Well, speaking about horrible feelings deep inside... Um, this is often something you can get when confronted by an unfortunate accommodation stay. Huh. Uh, it segues very nicely to my favourite segment of the week. Brought to you in association with the Alpha Guest House, Bristol's premium guest house accommodation. Big news. Big news today. I drove past the Alpha Guest House on the way and I saw a man sitting outside it. 
I don't know if he's a guest. I don't know if he was a workman. But he was the single palest man I've ever seen in my entire life. Maybe he was a ghost. He might have been a ghost. I, From the fire. So, <laughs> he was so pale, I couldn't tell whether he was like a plasterer or like dusty or was just really pale. Just a ghoul. He had a bit of a gut as well. And he sort of was, he was sort of like sat, he was standing as if he was sitting down. I don't know how to explain it. Really it low sounds sh- like he was flowing. Really, uh, maybe. Really low shoulders. It's like a little bit of bitch tits going on. That's fine. You know, you got to love your body. And I was like, what's he doing there? And I drove Haunting. past. Haunting. Sounds clearly. like he might have been on a calm down as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might be. Yeah, he might be with, uh, having withdrawals. So um, Alpha Guesthouse now has uh, a new roof. Yeah. Does it? Ghosts. Possibly, oh. possibly, or a customer, maybe. Or a customer. A, or, haunted, or a haunted customer that works there. <laughs> So yeah, so that's that's what's going on in the office. Excellent. Um, so this place is the Maglia Motel Backpackers. Mm. I have to apologise. I've only got one review for it. That's fine. That's, that's fine. all I could find. Do not book this hotel online. I'm not sure what difference it makes where you book it. <laughs> Look, this is definitely not a place to stay for expats. Put it this way: the sheets were dirty. They're there was a used condom in the shower recess and the door was not properly lockable. We didn't have any way to call to book another room for the next two nights because there was no phone book in the room and we had no phone. It's like chicken and egg. Can they not just go downstairs to reception? Yeah. I guess there was no phone in the hotel either. So pretty much for the three nights we stayed there, we blockaded the door with furniture, except the bed because the woman at the front desk said she feared we would be broken into and robbed. Locked every th- away everything when we went out in the safe. There's a nightclub. They put it in brackets. Mag- Maglia Gorilla Club. Full of prostitutes. Oh, cool. And that's it. That's mm. all I've got. Nice. Seems like a bit of a shithole, but, you know. I think the start is slightly, is mildly offensive. Like, it's not for expats, but I guess everyone who is local wouldn't mind, uh, you know. That's a little bit racist, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you are. They're, they're his, this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Condom in the, you know. It's a conversation starter. Safety first. Exactly. It is actually least, quite, yeah, it's, it's a good thing. At least you know it's if not it, on the bed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were banging in the shower. Oh, well, yeah. Or in the shower recess. I'm not sure what a shower recess is. Where's the shower recess? I'm not sure. Because we step stepped down into the shower. Oh. That's it. That's my alpha guest house. It's only a short one, this one. No, Top shower, shower, Maglia, myself. Back practice. Exactly. I have some factoids about Papua New Guinea. There's there's one I, I, I'd like to, to hit as well. Papua New Guinea has several matrilineal communities. Matri- oh. Matrilineal. What does that mean? The mat- yes. Something with m- marriage? Is this, this, is, is this the, the very best at Luxembourg's edu- education? Something with mother? There we are. Oh, uh-huh. like mat- matriarchal. Matri- like that sort but- of... Is that the word? That oh, I yeah, just yeah. don't know. Well, you've got <laughs> then what was the second part? Can you repeat it? Matrilineal. <laughs> oh, so women uh, give... I don't know. They, so they, we've, got, we've got mat, mother, linear, line. Yeah, the family's line goes through the mum. There we are. Got there in the end. Yeah. So there's a few matrilineal communities in Papua New Guinea. That's all I've got. Oh, fair. Um, also, it has one of the world's highest rates of violence against women. 
Oh. That was a bit of a roller coaster just in the yeah, last yeah, that minute is a there. Roller Close to seventy percent of women haven't experienced violence from their hus- partners or husbands. <sighs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. According to MSF, Maison Sans Frontier. Médecin. Médecin Sans Frontier. Frontier. Whatever. Two thirds of those treated for partner violence were wounded with, with weapons such as mm. knives, machetes, or blunt instruments, which indicates the severity of the abuse. Fucking hell. Well, there's some self inflicted abuse. Oh, yeah. In Papua New Guinea. So, uh, the sepic crocodile scarification. Oh, I saw that. That is What's mental. That? So, That's there's so tribes cool. along the Sepik River um, in the north, uh, kind of perform a form of body mods. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's basically just people scarring their bodies with intricate, like scale shaped to m- look like oh, crocodile cool. skin. It, it looks crazy. Yeah. It looks so it's pretty gnarly. cool. It Ooh. looks painful though. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's jazzy. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty fucking jazzy. One more thing, I'd like to say. Have you heard about the David Attenborough story with mm, no. in Papua? They turned up. I'm pretty sure it was early '60s, late '50s, maybe, and they went out to Papua New Guinea. And they were trying to contact tribes to go and film in, in the areas. And as they're going to approach a tribe, they just come running down the hill. And they're like spears in the air, just full-blown attacking them out of the jungle. And he just walks forward and sticks his hands out and shakes their hand. It's like, hello. <laughs> Us that, again. That's wow. a lot of trust into... That's like that's putting that's into Amber thinking theory. that like a handshake is a universal sign for hello. Yeah. It probably isn't though. No. Amber- it, that Most could be offensive. Yeah. yeah, it could be so. He sticks his hand out and they're just like, ah, cut it <laughs> off. Oh, he's got, he's got gravitas. Yeah. Oh, they, speaking of cutting things off, they used to have headhunters. There's not, there's yeah. not really anyone that does it anymore. Did you hear about that? I suppose it's not the headhunting that happens in the British job market. No. Oh. No, no. no. Quite different. Not in Quite recruitment. They haven't got loads of tribes of recruitment. For a reason? Or? It's like tribal war oh, okay. uh, so display. It's, but it's, it's also between like, tribes, not within a tribe. Well, I guess if someone does something within a tribe and then flees, you might send out the hunters. Yeah, Grab yeah. his head. Do yeah. they bring them back and then chop the head in front of everyone? Or do they do... I don't know. I don't know the logistics. That, that would be a bit of a pain in the ass because you'd have to carry them all that way when you could just be like, right, guys, this is going to save some energy. And I guess if the what? whole point of, the, I guess the whole point of bringing back someone's head is to clearly display that they are in fact dead. Yeah. So it's a bit like if you bring them back, you sort of need to have a reason. Want his head on a spike? Yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, nice. yeah. And um, can- a cannibal. Yeah, some cannibal cannibalism drives, apparently. Still at the moment. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but it's not like Probably. it's not like cannibalism, like to have a nutritious meal, is it? It's like I imagine it's like ceremonial. Yeah, like yeah. you'd get mm. like the soul or the power of like an of, elder passes away, and you mm. no, 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 like like in in battle, if you if you beat an, a, a, a neighboring tribe, you might you might sort of eat a portion of the heart to take you know some of that person's power right. or something like that. I think there's a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of like spirituality around it. Mm. It's not just like munching on people. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is. I read that the uh, national sport is rugby. Oh, yeah. But I assume rugby league because I've never seen them play rugby union. I've seen them play rugby league. Uh, they got to the rugby league World Cup final. Uh, World Cup, uh, not final, the finals of oh, the rugby league World uh, Cup. Yeah. Um, I think they played England. I think they might have beaten England. But yeah, apparently it's massive there. Also, they've got three national languages. 
one of one of, one of them I don't know, but one's English and one's is it takpisin? Mm-hmm. Takpisin. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a pigeon. It's a creole. Uh, From Papua. Yeah. So they have like a like an English language uh, pigeon creole called tak pisin. So tak talk pisin pigeon. Oh. Yeah. Talk like oh. a pigeon. And yeah, because they've got like obviously eight hundred odd languages, but they're, they're like administrative. It's a national language, yeah. Like lingua francas, yeah. Well, I'd love to go there. Yeah, I haven't got many roads. No, like, they they really don't get that many tourists either. They really, they. Sat, I thought it was quite. It's it's getting a lot better. It, it's gradually going up, but it's only like two hundred thousand people go there a year. Yeah, that's not a lot. It's pretty poor as well. Yeah, but it's so like they they've got everything. They've got some of the best like wildlife spots rainforest as, as we were saying yeah. it is in a pre obviously we said it's not in southeast asia technically but it is in a pretty amazing area for tourism <laughs> yeah like the yeah. the competition is fierce to get all the tourists there yeah and you i need guess some good infrastructure yeah i guess the lack of infrastructure makes makes like a, quite a big barrier to develop especially because but i suppose the capital port moresby port, port moresby yeah it's probably not big given that most of the people don't live in cities yeah so but airport's then, pretty small but i guess like i know it's not fair for us in the west to sort of say like you need to maintain your country a certain way but if it got opened up to tourism and there was a lot of development there's obviously gonna be a lot of habitat destruction so in many ways it's better if it, it would be better if papua new guinea is able to develop in a sustainable way and maintain its like mm. unique nature rather than have loads of resorts and dredging and all that horrible shit happen well it depends <sighs> on the kind of tourism not all Tourism has to be resorts. I mean, what what was it? Eighty percent of the country are rural. Yeah. I mean, people in rural places, if they're not starving, they tend to be quite happy, right? So we just open loads of campsites. Yeah. yeah. Problem solved. Winnebago's. All right. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, right. done. Yeah, I am done. complete. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Remember to like, follow, subscribe, answer those questions on Spotify. Give what were five the, what stars. Were the questions again. What was the question? It's like, what do you think of the? What did you think? Uh, who's fire and ice? What's uh, your Kevin and Tom? And what's your meal deal? Yeah, what's your meal deal preference? That's the only thing I care about. Do you like coconut water and coconut flesh and coconut bras? All right. <laughs> see you next week, everyone. <laughs> see ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. 